welcome to Biota Live. I'm Tom Barbelay and this is a continuation of the Biota Podcast. For more information on the Biota Podcast, go to biota.org slash podcast. We have a caller on the line. I believe it's Bruce Damer. Hello, hello, Tom. How are you? Good to talk to you this evening. So, as you're a seasoned veteran, we have some news and notes, and then we'll get into this evening's topic. We will not have a topic in a fortnight's time. This is the last live-recorded episode of Biota Live this year, and I'd like to send thanks out to everyone who's participated. I was updating the Facebook group a couple of weekends ago, and we've had a number of people on Biota Live since it was launched about a year ago. It's been quite a, a phenomenal mechanism to get folks back into the conversation and to keep folks who are already in the conversation conversing. I mean, what, what's your assessment with regards to Biota Live, Bruce? Oh, I think it's it's been tremendous. I mean, we we started out we started out the year wondering if we could get people to to add their voices, and and if you look at the sheer number of people who've come on the show, listen to the show, uh, I think it's it's been a, a dramatic uh, improvement in the communications within the community between the academic, the hobbyist, industrialist. It's uh, it's just worked wonders. And certainly, I think it's it's given a bridge between what would traditionally happen in a conference and what had happened previously through the Biota interviews. I mean, I think a lot of the discussions that go on in Biota Live are, are generally conversive and have the potential to form projects such as the Evo Grid, for example. Oh, yeah, and in fact, uh, just having a venue uh, every few weeks to come in and talk about the evil grid um, with different people has really helped me formulate uh, what I'm trying to do and changed it uh, and involved other people as well. Certainly, certainly. So what to expect next year in Biota Live? Early on in the year, I hope to have San Gill back on. She's had a lot more things to, to talk about and think about since she was last on Biota Live. I think she's done three major talks since she was last on Biota Live, Bruce. And I'm not sure, have you heard any of the ones at Stanford or any of the ones at Ames? I was at the one at Ames. That was a group of us, including Chris McKay, uh, who presented at Ames. Uh, but I, I missed the, the Stanford one. Uh, the uh, I had very little energy uh, last week and, and this week. The only talk I went to at Stanford was uh, Douglas Engelbart's, the 40th anniversary of Douglas Engelbart's famous demo. Gosh, was phenomenal, just a phenomenal event. So I have my hand on the mouse currently. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he affected everything that we do, I guess, in some quite profound way. In any case, additional people coming on. I hope to have Mark Badeau back on. And uh, we've been in some correspondence this week, Bruce, with regards to Mark. Yeah, in fact, uh, thank you for mentioning uh, myself and the PhD work. Uh, he sent me a kind note saying, I'm interested, I may be interested in advising, uh, being part of an advisement of this work if it, if it fits my, um, what I'm interested in. So I, I sent him a note back, uh, as you suggested, uh, uh, asking if we could have a chat on the phone. And I, I gave him a little bit of background on, on uh, in a humorous way, because I, th I think he's a, he's a Brit, right? Um, I'm not sure. I, I think he's an American who spends sufficient time in Europe that his accent is mellowed, and I'm, I'm never really sure with Mark. Well, he, he seemed like, 
kind of more relaxed and uh, and a bit of a humorous guy, so I took that tack. I haven't heard back from him. Right. I, I just assume it's it's uh, his Oregonian um, roots of some regard. But anyway, in addition to this, apologies um, coming in this evening from Larry Yeager. He's uh, excited to get back into the conversation. Obviously, there are a number of topics that Larry can participate in, and he was an earlier uh, participant advisor live this year. And also from Steve Grand, who is currently working on a robot, uh, but will be back in the discussion with regards to an artificial life game project that he's been working on for a number of years now. Well, speaking of robotics, the, our conversation a couple of weeks ago, Bruce, concluded, and I realized I hadn't made one final critical point with regards to the idea of a hobbyist, and that um, came to me through listening to the Robots podcast this week, but I also had a sense of this previously. Do you know there are two mainstream hobbyist robotics magazines, Bruce, Robot and Servo? I've, I've, I've been around uh, at Dorkbot, um, and at a, an event in New York City, I was around uh, real hardcore robotics hobbyists, and, and I, I figured they must have something like a Make magazine that was just, just about robotics. Yes, I mean, I think this is the, the blueprint for the artificial life community in some regard, is that if we get a sufficient number of hobbyists, then the next step is to have a magazine of, of some description. And certainly with magazines and these kind of things, it gives a way for firstly hobbyists to be published and also a kind of indigenous industry to, to grow up around uh, you know, hobbyist-related development, as has obviously happened in the robotics community. So that was really my concluding point at the end of our last discussion, Bruce, that once a hobby reaches a certain level, it starts creating these spin-offs, things like magazines and also, you know, small industries that the hobbyists can kind of uh, make pocket money through in some regard. And I thought it was, I had thought about a wide variety of other engineering hobbies, but just listening to the Robots podcast this week uh, reminded me that there are actually a couple of, uh, and I guess Make magazine and these kind of magazines also contain components that are even to a certain minor extent wired and new scientists and popular mechanics and all of these things have, have hobbyist uh, robotics elements to them and I think the artificial life community can learn quite a bit from that. So in addition to this, the Biota Conversations mailing list has really hotted up over the past week. In fact, today in particular, there was a lot of correspondence. And if folks are interested in maintaining their Biota podcast connections through the, the break, the place to go is the Biota Conversations mailing list. In the past couple of days, we've discussed things like the next generation of spool, whether it should contain uh, physics and uh, genomes. We've discussed zombie chess manipulation of chess to create um, means of beating entropy in chess. Dick Gordon currently has a course that he's offering in Second Life, and if people have heard Dick Gordon in the podcasts, you should get in contact with Dick currently because I'm not sure when the closing date is for his course, but he was certainly asking for folks in the community to participate. Bruce, do you have... Any more information with regards to when Dick's course will actually be run? Yeah, I think that sometime next week we're going to hear he's collecting the people and then he's going to ask about times, and I think it's going to be kind of a second life-based uh, course, probably with audio. Um, Dick and I have had somewhat regular meetings in Second Life in his office, uh, which is kind of a cool. It's a, built by his wife. It's the I guess it's called the Silver Lake or the Silver Bog Center, and it's his wife built this environment in Second Life, this world, and um, and he's we've gotten the audio interface down pretty well, although it's it's 
it's buggier than Blog Talk Radio, I have to tell you. Yes, I mean, Blog Talk Radio has really improved in leaps and bounds over the past year. I remember some of the early recordings, I went back and listened to them, particularly some of the ones with Justin Lyon on. I remember one in particular, he did the local recording of the entire show, and the rest of us sounded quite echoey, and obviously there's the infamous initial Evo Grid discussion where poor Gerald de Jung sounded like some Wookiee with a robotic voice synthesizer behind it. So we've, uh, yeah, we've sailed through hopefully the worst of it with Blog Talk Radio, and the interface so far is, is very good. For folks who are interested in participating, we have an active chat room, uh, and also if you want to participate via by the telephone, the contact number is 646 2000640. Now, over the break, I'm going to air one of the recordings that I did through the Thanksgiving period, and I think it will probably be the first one with uh, Eric Burton. It's a fascinating discussion that covers some of the topics that has gone, have gone through the Biota Conversations mailing list recently, but it's a rather long one. It's about 90 minutes total, so if folks are interested, it'll be coming up in the near future. In addition, I will be talking for the first time in front of an audience in five years. Uh, tomorrow evening at Las Vegas Futurist. The last talk I gave was at the European Game Developers Conference in London in 2003, Bruce. So, a, a long time. I mean, when I joke about you being my avatar in the real world, there's a, a, a good deal of element of truth to it all. Um, however, I will be talking about a, an artificial life-related topic, which is still being drawn up, but will no doubt feature a, a number of uh, themes into the biota community and probably some discussion uh, with regards to half a dozen of our fellow practitioners that appear frequently through biota lives. So it's going to be interesting to talk to them. I'm just scrolling through my news and notes. Ah, the great unrelated news. I don't think there are going to be any meetings coming up, but I did want to put out a message to the broader biota community that there are a number of Graytham chapters that I've discussed through the year and the London, the New York and the Benelux in particular, I know we have Gerald de Jung on frequently, but these are all chapters. I mean, London and Benelux with regards to Justin Line and Gerald de Jung specifically are two chapters that are weighed primarily on those two individuals. And if there are folks who are listening in the uh, broader London area, or similarly the uh, Belgium, the Netherlands, and Luxembourg, the Benelux region, it would be ideal that we develop a, a small community of folk who are going to take on the Graysum chapters there. And similarly, New York, it's a, a curious thing through doing things like Biota Live that you can put out the message. And I remember uh, listening to uh, a Biota Live where I listed all the various regions, including Melbourne, Australia, Bruce, with regards to places where there was sufficient numbers to actually generate great sub-chapters. And I think what's happening in uh, the Bay Area is fascinating because it's really hybridized into just a kind of group meeting on a, on a monthly basis to talk about topics, to have speakers through occasionally, and it's actually far less formalized in some regard than what goes on in Boston. But really it is a matter of the groups to form their own, you know, their own methods, their own modes of operating. And if you just want to get together on a, a monthly basis or every other month and talk about your specific projects or talk about a particular topic of interest, I mean, I think the thing with Graysum as it has evolved is that there is no real blueprint to what a, what a Graysum should be. I mean, Bruce, you've, you've attended a few of these Graysum meetings. What's your, what's your feeling to the, to the Biota community? Yeah, I, I've attended uh, Boston, uh, which was a vivacious meeting in a quite noisy uh, uh, pub, the Asgard pub on Cambridge Avenue, 
and it's definitely a blend, a lot of academic presentations and hobbyists and game developers and whatnot. And uh, people are drinking beer and having food and pub-type food. And then in the London uh, Grey Thumb, we were at the British Computer Society, which is an august organization, uh, you know, formal uh, rooms right in the center, right on the Strand in London, and and was only at the one session with, the, with Justin myself. Um, so quite kind of a British thing in in a sense, a uh, British type setting. And then, and of course, we went to a pub afterwards. And in Silicon Valley, it's in the heart of Silicon Valley, Menlo Park, where we meet at a famous cafe uh, nearby. And then we go down to SRI, which is this incredible center of, of the birth of uh, user interfaces and of, of autonomous robotics and AI and everything is there, you know, between Stanford and and and, and SRI, which used to be called Stanford Research Institute, um, and uh, government funding and whatnot. So there's this blend of artificial intelligence people, hobbyists, um, sort of blended people like me, uh, and who come from all over the Bay Area. Some of them on Caltrain, and uh, and of course when we were at the Internet Archive, it's a different sense altogether. It's in the, the foggy San Francisco in this old military um, residence building where uh, Brewster Kale's organization is, and and you're, you you can see the Golden Gate Bridge out one window, and the, you're in the Presidio, and uh, there's a, a San Francisco feeling to it. So uh, the the setting is is, is very and a very important influence. Certainly, and I mean looking at the photos of Gerald. Um, presentation and the Netherlands, I get the sense that they're too, you know, they, they really have a hybridization of what you're saying the strengths are in, in Boston, London, and Silicon Valley in some regard. But I think, I mean, even what came through Great Umbrighton, which was just a simple meeting of, of like minds in a pub for a chat and a shaking of hands, is a really good way that the community can gather. Um, Robert Rice is going to be here in Vegas in early January. He's coming out for CES, and I know he met up with John Daigle when John Daigle was going through um, Raleigh, North Carolina. So, I mean, there are all these kind of impromptu meetings, which I think is, is fundamentally what, you know, what was the, the origins of Graytham in some regard. So, in addition to this... Um, this is, as I noted, this has been a year of Biota Lives, and I put out a series of questions to the Biota Conversations mailing list, to which I got a series of very positive responses, but I wanted to put these out publicly to the listeners as well. I'm curious if the topics of Biota Live have been diverse enough, whether the show is too long, uh, whether you listen to each episode as it comes out, or whether you listen to them in groups. I think Robert Rice's feedback, and you've given the same feedback, Bruce, is that you kind of cache them for when you're flying or when you have periods of time with a with an iPod near you, and that certainly has been the feedback from some listeners. Also, folks that listen to it while they drive and listen to it periodically in that regard, so they'll listen to you know 20 minutes, 30 minutes when they when they get a moment. So I'm interested in hearing how listeners listen to it, and um, if you know if you only listen to occasional ones, and I do get the sense that the particular topics seem to gather a lot of people in the community um, just through the download numbers. So I'm interested in basically listener feedback. Should I come and uh, could I return and do some interviews in the future? I guess Larry Yeager was almost a traditional interview format, although we had Ed in as well, and that was wonderful. I do like the Biota Live format even for interviews. 
And should we encourage more people to uh, enter the Biota Live uh, discussion? Should we encourage uh, biologists, people outside the, the normal reaches of artificial life? And, uh, you know, what kind of narrative or discussion would folks who listen to this podcast frequently like to hear? So I'm interested in feedback. I'm interested in questions. I'm interested in ideas for show topics in the coming year. And one final point, you may be interested to know that the little musical intros that I've been putting in occasionally uh, were requested by a couple of listeners, and I'm responsible for um, all the musical stuff associated with Biota Live, except for the beatboxing uh, and scratching, which come from my friends in Montreal. So I will be putting a little bit more music on either ends, and it was wonderful to have uh, Gerald's son and his girlfriend contributing some music 